Hello, friends, and welcome to Somewhat Useful. I'm Will Myers. And I'm Christy Price. And we'll be discussing the topics shaping the world of digital entrepreneurship and tackling questions about Squarespace and web design. We're figuring this world out one website at a time and hope you find this somewhat useful. Will, what's going on? How are you? I'm good. Uh, we are in a cabin. We're kind of still bouncing around uh, just everywhere, every month, two months. And we are in a cabin right now in North Georgia, and it's really, really lovely. So I know you don't like the term digital nomad, but I really don't. I have a feeling you're like fitting this description. It kind of is what we're doing, honestly. We are digital nomading. It's more like digital homelessness. We're Airbnb at our house and we just don't really have a place to live. So we're jumping around. We're using uh, Furnished Finder, which is kind of like a cheaper Airbnb. Oh, cool. Because you work directly with the owner of the house. And we're just bouncing around to different places. And right now, honestly, I am more of a mountains cabin type person. Ren's more of a beach person. And I love it here. I really love it. What about you? What's going on with you? Well, uh, as we're recording this, we're wrapping up January 2024. We are. And if your January has been a little rocky, man, I'm right there with you. <laughs> it's, Seriously. Uh, yeah, this year has already, I feel like typically January just, you know, kind of plods by. And this year it's plodding slower than ever. <laughs> you were telling us before before the call, you had a little accident there. So I tore a ligament in my hand, which means that, you know, work is looking a little different these days. And my dog (laughs) had surgery and we slept on an air mattress in a closet with her. So she wouldn't jump on things. The things we do for our pets. Yeah. But things are looking up. Bela got the all clear. She's back to being her mountain goat of a self. You know, I don't have any broken bones. How long until you get the all clear for you to use both hands? About five to seven more weeks. So quite a while. I know the the strangest thing has been, well, you, I know, use a lot of keyboard shortcuts like I do. And so, you know, when I pull up developer tools or I'm doing strikeout text, Mm -hmm. all of that is with my left hand. And so when I was working, I'm like, I'll just do it with my right hand, except my brain does not know what those keys are. All of the knowledge is in my yep. left hand, which is not usable. So it's so bizarre. <laughs> it really is interesting how much muscle memory gets locked up yes. in there and you can't recall it at all when you actually No clue. Need to. No yeah. clue. Well, I am so sorry. I hope your fingers and hands get, get better. Thank you. And uh, for anybody who's listening, I hope your year has gone well so far and gets even better too. Yes, we do. And Christy, to get them started, we have an exciting episode today. We're going to be talking about Pricing our offers. And this can be one of the trickiest and most difficult parts of developing your website offering. Should you go super high? How do you if you want to? (laughs) Should you go low and do a lot of volume? Christy and I do things a bit differently, Mm -hmm. so it should be a a good discussion here. Then, very excited about this, we'll hear from a friend of the pod, Raish from Square Stylus. We adore Raish. We adore (laughs) Raish, and she'll give us some wisdom. And then we'll also answer some specific questions that we've gotten, like how do you price your first website? Do you make your clients sign contracts? Do you itemize your pricing and your invoices when you send it over? When should you raise your rates? And then how do we price our digital products, like the templates and the plugins? But first, let's thank our sponsor. Want your Squarespace website to rank higher on Google? 
try out SEO Space, the SEO plugin for Squarespace, a jargon-free extension that tells you step-by-step how to rank higher on Google. You can get a site-wide SEO score and guidance in minutes with automatic monitoring so that you can save time and money and get back to focusing on your core business. Try out SEO Space free for seven days at seospace.co.uk and make ranking higher on Google easier than ever before. All right, before we dive into pricing your offers, we wanted to share our three quick tips for this episode. And these are some changes to Squarespace that you should be aware of. Number one, the escape key doesn't work anymore for logging into your website. And it's interesting because people that I've talked to thought their keyboard was broken, but no, it just doesn't work to log (laughs) into Squarespace. They've just disabled it. I know I'm still like in the talking about muscle memory. I still hit it every single time trying to get back in there. If I could use my left hand, I would be doing the same, but (laughs) they've disabled it for accessibility reasons. I don't think this was just a random decision they made like in a boardroom, but a lot of people use escape to to do stuff on the keyboard that is not jumping back into a website and disabling that wasn't right. Yeah, it's often for exiting out of things. So I think it was kind of the opposite use case. So I can understand right. their reasoning, but it was a shortcut that a lot of people used. So yep, yep, yep. Maybe sad for some people and we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, all we can say. The second thing to be aware of is that now with the browser icon, so you know you can add a browser icon to replace the sad little gray cube that shows along yeah. with your website in the tab. You usually use something for your branding. Now we have the option of adding a dark mode browser icon or a fave icon as well. So if yeah. you have something that looks great on light screens but not dark screens, you can add something else now that will look great when your website is in dark mode. Where is that? That's like somewhere in the settings panel or is it in the menu? Where is Where do you put that? You know, another thing is that they've been moving things around yet again. <laughs> so what I recommend sure is have. that you hit the forward oh, slash key on your keyboard and start typing browser icon and it will take yeah. you directly to that setting. That is the <laughs> best way to do it is just use the search. So much stuff has moved around, but it's hard to find the docs for things. Just use the search function. Yep. The best and by way. the time you're listening to this, it may have moved again. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. And finally, if you are a Squarespace Circle member, they have rolled out new member badges that look pretty snazzy. And yeah, pretty cool. spoiler alert, one of them actually has color. A color. We're There's now not color. just black and white. There's it's an additional. Crazy. Yeah, it's I know. Crazy. It's really fun. Are we going to say what the color is? Or are we going to make them no. go check it out? No, I think, I think you got to check it out. Um, so you, you can That's find good. those um, if you go to forum.squarespace.com, log in, go to the circle portion of the forum, and there's a button there to get your new badges. There we go. Thank you, Christy. Good three new Squarespace tips for you. And speaking of fun new things Squarespace Circle team is doing, let's shift over to the main topic of today, pricing. So the Circle team, they just released a new, their their first annual state of the web design industry report. In this, they pulled over a thousand Circle members from more than 20 countries. This survey included questions around collaboration, client relationships, and of course, pricing. You can find the full report at pros.squarespace.com. So 
pricing still feels super nebulous to me. I feel like every project I'm I'm kind of rethinking pricing. So mm-hmm. I found this part of the the report really interesting. 77% of respondents, 77% opt for project-based rates rather than hourly based billing. So yeah. project-based over hourly. Mm-hmm. So how did you vote when you saw this question? So the question was asked specifically about your custom web design projects. So mm-hmm. if I answered it with regard to that, it would be a project-based rate. But I have a couple of offers that are hourly billing because I feel like if you're charging enough per hour, <laughs> that's fine too. Right. And uh, it's kind of a safeguard for you. What's the difference between those? Like, How do, how do you determine what goes project, what goes hourly? Yeah. So for me, the project rate is what I use for my custom web design. And it is based on the fact that I kind of know exactly what I'm getting into with the client. So I choose a client that's going to fit my process that has the number of pages and the scope of work that will work for that specific offer. So I'm selecting the clients based on the offer. So when I offer a project-based rate, I know exactly what I'm giving them from from the get-go. And there, there's not like some strange scope that I'm not familiar with that I'm going to have to figure out along the way. So I'm kind of self-selecting for that project-based rate because I know about how many hours it will take. Right. So, you know, I feel like the project-based rate often feels better to your client because they don't know what goes on behind the scenes and they don't know how many hours something would take. And to have a flat rate, that feels comfortable to them. They're like, I have this price for the thing that I'm getting. I'm getting a website and it costs this much. Whereas for hourly billing, it's like, well, how many hours is it going to take? And they're going to estimate, but do I really trust that they're going to come in with that estimate or is it going to be a lot more hours? So I think from the client side, project-based rates feel a lot more comfortable. But like you said, you got to be super clear about what's included in this project. And you have to define the boundaries very, very well, or else these things get out of control super fast. And I think in addition to being super clear on what is included, being super clear on what's not included. Yeah. So one of the things that I do in my proposal is I will list out what's included. And then underneath that, I have add-ons. So it's like, hey, you want extra Mm. pages? They're this much. You need extra calls? They're this much. You need email set up, email campaign set up. It's this much. So they yeah. understand that those things are not included. It's just another indicator to them that there is a scope to the project that we've agreed on. And if they want something outside of that scope, it's an additional cost. Yeah. That honestly, that's very similar to the way we do it too. It's not it's not a set price for every website, but we give them each client a set price. And then once that project is completed, we can do hourly after that for any updates, changes, any of that stuff. Yeah. And I've seen some proposals with hourly based stuff, but those proposals usually say development is going to be 50 hours. You know, design is going to be 40 hours. So it's kind of the same thing. They're just bucketing and just overestimating what those times should be. Are there any times where you would go hourly, where hourly would make sense for Anything you're doing in your business? I do have a service that's called Designer for a Day, and that is an hourly based service. So it's five hours of my time in one day. That's a flat rate. It's interesting because some people are just like, you know, I don't think we can get that much done in five hours. But as you and I know, 
in Squarespace, you can get a lot done in five hours. Yeah. Uh, so the people yeah. that I have worked with with that service have been really thrilled at how much you can get done. And so it's nice because it's not, you know, it's much less than they would have to pay for a new custom website, but we can zhuzh up their existing site for, you know, a set amount of money, set amount of time. And, you know, they understand that once that five hours is over, they can hire me hourly after that, but it is a, a time limited service. That's almost like hourly as well. You've kind of mm -hmm. blocked, but instead of, but instead of going hourly, you go like five hourly based billing. You do right. like blocks of time. That's an interesting way to do it. Actually. I, I like that. Yeah. It's been, it's been really nice. And so I know some designers that that's what they offer. And it's really nice because they can schedule their weeks around, you know, every week I'm going to do one or two of these mm -hmm. and I'll have a day for calls for discovery calls for the service. So it can be really nice depending on what you enjoy doing. I will say that it is a long day. It's an exhausting day because yeah. you are, you know, you have working to be on, on, you have to be yeah. on, you have to feel good. You have to really be efficient yeah. in your work. It's not the kind of day that you can say, Oh, I'm going to go think about this with my coffee for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not necessarily a pensive day. And you've, you have done that in five hour blocks, not eight hour blocks. You're not trying to like fill up your whole day. I can't imagine trying eight to hours, do an eight hour yeah, block. Like it would be rough. And you definitely couldn't do like two, four hours in a day either. No, that maybe like if I was in my 20s, but yeah, not <laughs> anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be tough. Not that even with copious tough. amounts of coffee. <laughs> I like that. I like doing time blocks. I've also heard also heard of people doing time blocked. Like if they, once they finished a project instead of hourly post project mm -hmm. is like you pay a certain amount and you get three hours. You pay like 300 bucks or 500 bucks a month or something. And you get a certain amount of hours. Yes. The retainer model. I think that's really great. And I think that works very well for people who have a team. So not so well mm -hmm. for one person because you never yeah. know, like, is everybody's going to, you know, everybody's revision is going to hit at the same time while right. I'm on vacation. Um, yep. So I, th I think that works really well, especially if you have a team. But well, I'm I'm curious about. I know you and Ren, you take on large projects. So mm -hmm. you mentioned that you provide uh, a proposal that's specific to each client. So those are project based rates, right? Yeah, very much so. And then you you do hourly for any kind of maintenance afterward. Anything afterwards, right? So we we do the the projects, and we just kind of scope them out based on like. Honestly, just gut and feel, just being in the industry, yeah. what we think they're going to be. But what we are going for with these, so it's it's me, Ren, and our designer, Jay, and we're just going for high-end. Like, we want to build really nice high-end websites. Mm -hmm. And so we price it that way, but also all three of us are very much in agreement, like, we are going to do what it takes to build a beautiful website. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I'll tell you... Oftentimes we we charge high prices and oftentimes we're like, hoof, we're we're way over budget on this in terms <laughs> of our we're time. down to twenty five dollars an hour. <laughs> right. We're down to really low because the goal is to make not necessarily make the client happy, but give the client a really good result. And that does end up taking a lot of time. Right. So that's just like the difference in the models. The mindset has to be if you are going to go the really high end, the mindset has to be 
we are going to deliver a really good product no matter what and hope you can get your pricing kind of in line there. There is a lot of kind of shooting in the dark, but you get better at it, of course, the more you do. Yeah. And I'm I'm excited in our um, next episode to dive into what it's like working with other experts. So yeah. I have questions around that, but we'll hang on to those. Yeah. That's next episode. Y'all stay tight. <laughs> so um, from the report, there is a quote, higher prices have power. Those who charge the highest project fees also report feeling the most creatively fulfilled. Many web designers, 17%, charged more than $7,500 for a project in the past year, and 13% won't take a project on for less than $4,000. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, But let's start at the top. Those who charge the highest project fees also report feeling the most creatively fulfilled. So how do you think (laughs) about the relationships between creative fulfillment and making money? Yeah, this was something I very I had a lot of issue with when I read in the mm-hmm. report. They they kind of made that broad statement. It's like you're creatively fulfilled if you're charging high prices. Mm-hmm. And I th- there is a correlation between creative fulfillment and not being stressed about personal finances. I think right. there's some like connection there, but I don't think the answer is to creative fulfillment is charging higher prices. Like what you just said, what you've done with your your website in a day, you're not charging higher prices, but you're packaging it better and you can bring in more money if that is the goal. Right. So there's other ways to, one, bring in more money if you you want to do that in your business. And there's also other ways to be creatively fulfilled. That's not just right. making money. You can have a much more relaxing work day or something like, or mm-hmm. you can find creative fulfillment, I don't know, in any other way, but it's not really around the money all the time. One of the things that I found interesting, and you know, I think a lot of us have had separate conversations about this, but most of us do like one pro bono website a year. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of that creative fulfillment comes in. And it's just like, I'm doing this because I love the business or the organization or the, you know, the nonprofit and I want to help. Right. And also because, you know, you've put in place these guardrails. It's like, I'm doing it the way I want to because it's free. Yeah, this is mine. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a lot of creative fulfillment that you can get from things that you aren't even charging for. Right. A hundred percent. Like I, I get creative fulfillment out of deeply focusing on building a specific plugin, a specific component. There's a lot of creative fulfillment I get out of thinking about every different way someone might want to use this, every different design someone might want to use this for, like all the use cases. And oftentimes these are not profitable plugins. Now that might make me a bad business person, but it doesn't make (laughs) me creatively unfulfilled. So it's just, there's an interesting dynamic there. What is it that you in your business? Where, where do you get the most creative fulfillment? For me, it's actually around education. It's teaching people mm. how to do things that they may not know how to do in Squarespace yeah. or in web design. That's what I love. I know you and I will have like talked about mm. how we thought we were going to be professors or work in physics and things like that. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a little bit of that professor coming out. Yeah. And it's interesting, like creatively fulfilled, I think can mean a lot of things. And for me, it's not necessarily designing a super cool website. It's more about- right giving people the tools they need so they can do things themselves. That's what I find fulfilling. That's good. The education part. Yeah. 
you know, I definitely can resonate with that too. There's nothing like recording a little loom video and sending it over to someone and then getting that response being like, thank you for taking the time to actually explain how this works and the why behind this rather than just yeah. a quick little curt email about where to go in the settings panel. That has probably changed since the time you sent the email. That's one of the things I love about your Code Curious membership too. It's like shameless plug here, but um, I just used, <laughs> you always do one. Thank you. I I just used your um, spinning floating button on my uh, website, yeah. and not only did you have like here's how to install it, but you actually went through the code and it's like, hey, if you wanted to build this yourself, here's how you could do it. Mm -hmm. And I was totally geeking out on that. I loved it. Did you? Oh, yeah. Thank you. So that was very fulfilling for me. <laughs> I Thank hope you. it was That's, for you too. It is. Those are the videos <laughs> I like the most. I've realized like the videos I make where I really geek out on like the tech stuff, they yeah. definitely get lower views. And so just for my business, I've had to focus more on like, okay, well, the majority of the people just want to install this code and, and right. go on with their lives. But I really do enjoy sort of those geeky videos. All right. So last last little bit about pricing from the report here. Mm -hmm. Web designers make on average little under 50K a year, $49,251.70 to be exact. And 11% make over $100,000 a year. Now, it's important to reiterate this, this data is coming from the 1,000 circle members that they interviewed. So I don't think this is anyone who's ever built a website but it's just the circle members. So mm -hmm. these numbers, do they surprise you? Any thoughts? So another thing to keep in mind is that the numbers they asked for were like pre-tax numbers. So this is more gross than net. Mm -hmm. So I think they might be inflated over like what people actually take home. A little bit, right. The other thing to keep in mind is that not all these people were full-time web designers, right? So I'm sure that those 11% that make over 100,000, like we're the ones that do this full-time, like it's a career. Right. This is what we do. For the other ones that are lower, it may be that, you know, they're starting out in this field, they've just pivoted, mm -hmm. or maybe they're working part-time doing something right. else, you know, another job along the way. So it wasn't surprising to me because I think there are so many variables that go into this that, you know, we couldn't really parse out of that. Yeah. But I do think the takeaway, like it's possible to make this your career and to, you know, make enough to live on in the U S you know, mm -hmm. maintaining a reasonable standard of living depending on where you live, maybe, maybe not New York, <laughs> yeah, but, um, exactly. <laughs> right. but, but I think that that was kind of my takeaway. Like it's possible, you know, if you see 11% making that it's possible. Yeah. Those are kind of my thoughts too. I, I saw it and I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. But again, it's hard to parse much of this without more information. Like I'd want to know where the data comes from, like what these other people voted on. Yeah. Like are the like you said, full-time jobs, not full-time jobs. Are they paying a team? Are they paying out team members? Is it all right. like I would love to know like instead of like what did you make? Like what did you take home? Right. What did you take home? There we go. That and that's that's better. I'm not even sure I would fall in the web designer category because I sell plugins. And so it's like Yeah. I don't know. Am I being in this data? I don't know. So I, I would <laughs> like to Did you answer know the poll? <laughs> I, I did answer the poll. I well, did then you're in the data, Will. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of like messing up with it. 
But anyways, this was just a really interesting poll. Really big shout out to the Circle Team for putting this together. Uh, love seeing all this. Yes, this was a lot of really great information. So thank you, Circle Team. And we can't wait to see how this evolves over time and like how granular you get with this. Yeah, 100%. Really looking forward to next year's report. If y'all want to see it, it's pros.squarespace.com. So when Will and I were talking about this episode on pricing, the person that came to mind as an expert in this area is Rach of Square Stylist. So Rach is a Squarespace and Shopify educator. She creates courses to enable designers to stand out with their skills and create the unexpected. So she teaches designers how to build an irresistible portfolio, streamline their onboarding, and communicate the quality of their work to clients. So Rach, we were so delighted to have you answer some questions for us. We wanted to know what skills you think are the most important when considering your pricing strategy. For someone who's just getting started, what are your recommendations for pricing? And just out of curiosity, what are the upper bounds you've seen for pricing on custom Squarespace websites and the general scope of work? And here's what Rach had to say. Hi, Christy and Will. Thank you so much for inviting me here. I am so honored. I'm happy to talk about pricing, but I have to say I'm not a pricing expert. I'm still continuously learning and assessing my pricing approach, but I'm happy to share my insights and what worked for me. First, pricing is personal, nuanced, and layered. So it's really one of the most difficult aspects of being a service provider, especially when we're starting out. But Personally, pricing became a lot easier to me when I became confident about the quality of my work and in turn realized the immense value that my service brings to the brands I work with. So in terms of skills needed in pricing, we might immediately think of marketing skills, that's how we frame our offers, or pricing psychology, negotiation skills, these all come into play, but I think what we often miss is leaning towards technical skills or being immensely good at what we do. So not only do we produce high quality work and attract the right clients, but we are also able to accurately estimate the energy and time that we have to dedicate into every project. In my case, I offer both brand and website design, and so I continuously make time and effort to have deep understanding of the website platform I work with, the extensions and available plugins for the platform, and catching up with ever-evolving website design technology, learning new coding techniques, and more. This way, if a potential client come to me with a list of requirements, inspirations, and references, I can better estimate if what they are looking for is pretty basic or advanced, or if it's even possible using Squarespace or other platforms. And I can very well estimate how much time and effort it would take. I have to mention though that we don't need to know everything or be fully confident about our skills before we offer website design because that might never happen. I'm an advocate of learning and practice. I always say that I've thrived in this space because I took every project as a learning opportunity. So the more you create, the more you take on projects, the more that you learn about the pricing strategy that's best for you. 
Of course, in combination with building our technical skills, in the process, we also continuously deepen our understanding of the impact of our work. So whenever I'm pricing my work, I always remind myself that pricing is about honoring the value of my time and expertise at the moment and the value that I bring to the brand or the business. So I remind myself that through the websites that I create, I help businesses make more sales, attract more leads, save time and energy, and be assured and have peace of mind. So pricing also entails mindset shifts, but I found it easier to convince myself to price higher or revisit my pricing when I'm confident about delivering high quality work. For someone who's just getting started, my first advice is to start with skills. Let me expound that a bit. When I started out with zero design and development background, it was really challenging to determine how to price my services. In those early years, how I priced was mostly dependent on the local market rate. I would ask other web designers who were also starting out what they were charging. And so in my first few years, I charged around $800 per website. This was already substantial to me because I'm based in the Philippines and just a few projects could help me match what I was earning as a practicing chemical engineer. But back then, I knew if I wanted to sustain the career and probably grow it into an agency, I need to level up in different aspects. So when I was charging $800 per website, I'd look up to those who charge $5,000 for the same type of work. And as soon as I realized I can deliver the same quality of websites based on my skills or even better, I mustered enough courage to raise my prices. It's not immediate or instantaneous. I would scare myself a bit for every proposal that I sent. And it's all about convincing myself every time that I need to charge more for the quality of work that I deliver. And it's also not all about comparing myself and my work with other designers and their progress. It's all about looking up to them as inspiration and immersing myself in their stories so I'd believe that it's also possible for me. Now that I charge at least $15,000 for every website project, I still look up to other designers and agencies as inspiration. I am aware that some of them are charging $50,000 or even $100,000. So to this day, I continuously reassess my skills and capabilities. My second advice is to use digital product as portfolio. When we're new to offering web design, it's easy to think that we need to offer our services for free just to build our portfolio. I'd say that might work in rare instances if you find a collaboration with someone who also values your work enough to influence others. But for me, if someone allows you to work for free, that's an indication that they don't value your work at all. Looking back, what really worked for me is taking the time to create personal projects and then turning those personal projects into digital products that I can sell and those digital products serve as my portfolio. If you visit my site, squarestylist.com, I don't display my client work, but I do get a lot of inquiries on my design services. A turning point I would say is when I offered Squarespace templates that reflected my aesthetics. So that opened the doors for me to not only attract clients within my region, Asia, but also attract any brand all over the world 
which find my aesthetic aligned and appealing. Through my digital products, collaborations also became easier because instead of me offering an entire custom website design for free to collaborate with someone, I just offer them my template so I don't have to spend months just to make that collaboration happen. My third advice is to price the moment. That means our pricing and the way we approach it will continuously change. While there are pricing pointers out there, there are no hard and fast rules. For example, you might have heard that it's not ideal to price hourly, but when you're starting out and you don't have an idea yet of what to charge, it's totally fine to price hourly for your first one or two projects. It's also totally fine to experiment with different pricing models. For example, if you also realize that pricing hourly isn't sustainable, then you can consider offering day rates or design intensives. Or if these intensives turn out to not suit your working style, then you may focus on other offers such as custom projects. I read a wonderful book by Dan Mall called Pricing for Design, and he mentioned there that the biggest factor in your current pricing is your ability to walk away from a prospect. And that's true, our prices and offers at the moment will heavily depend on our financial runway, the absent flow of our business, the season we are at, and the opportunities and demands at the moment. In my case, I found more financial stability when I started introducing offers other than custom websites. So as I mentioned, I sold digital products such as templates, courses, and plugins. I also offered day rate retainers. So it's not the typical monthly retainers wherein the client can call me anytime. What I offer my past clients is what I call day rate retainers wherein they can book one to three day intensives per month and that allowed me to have guaranteed income and that financial stability allowed me to take the leap in terms of pricing my custom work. Personally, the highest I charged for a Squarespace project is $25,000, and the scope is quite standard. It entailed a homepage, about page services. We have a case study page, which is like a portfolio, and a news page, which is like a blog. I helped them migrate from WordPress, but they didn't have that much content to migrate over. And so essentially, I just transferred the domain. That same project also allowed me to have $3,000 per month day rate retainer. I've seen other designers charge upwards of $15,000 for Squarespace projects. Some even charge $10,000 upwards just for the design part. So definitely what I'm currently charging is not the app rebound. I'd say for custom projects, there isn't an absolute upper limit. It might be easy to assume that because Squarespace is relatively an easy platform, we assume that clients won't be willing to spend more for it, but it really depends on what the clients value. If they value simplicity and ease of use, then they would pay much more if you make Squarespace work for them. So how do we get past these assumed upper limit? My first advice is to have an established baseline price. So especially when you're on a call, it's best to have in mind, what is your baseline price for a standard scope? And then during the call, when the client is 
listing down their requirements and references, you'll increment this price depending on those requirements. Then during the call, I also try to identify what they value and I identify what I call value levers. For example, if the project is rushed, they need it sooner than my typical projects, I would multiply that baseline price plus the increments with a value factor. If it is rushed, then I would multiply it by 15% more, that's 1.15. Or if the company is significantly larger in terms of size or revenue than companies whom I typically work with, then I can multiply my baseline price by 50% more or double it. And lastly, I really recommend that we take courage to ask for their budget. May it be in the inquiry form or during the sales call because their budget is an indication of how they value working with you and how they value the project. I cannot stress enough how asking the client's budget has helped me because there were many times when my initial price or baseline price was just one third or one half of the client's budget. Thanks again, Will and Christy, for inviting me. If you have questions or if you just would like to connect, I am on Instagram at Squarestylist. I also have free resources on YouTube at Squarestylist and my website is squarestylist.com. Man, she is good. She's good. Thanks so much, Rach. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing your knowledge. All right, Christy, you ready? Here are the lightning round questions. Oh boy, I didn't. I feel like beginning. I should have prepared for this. It's a, No, it's lightning <laughs> round. No preparation, no preparation. Okay. How did you charge for your first website? Uh, my first Squarespace website? Mm -hmm. I moved to Squarespace and I knew that it might be a little rocky. So it was $750 and it was on the Bedford template. That site is nice. still alive today. And if you look at it, you're like, yep, that's Bedford. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's straight up just switching out an image, little button colors. Yep. <laughs> I love it. The old 70 templates. Mm -hmm. All right. Do you make your clients sign contracts? Always for the custom website work. And mm. I use HoneyBook for that, which is great to send proposals, contracts. It's all rolled into one. It does all the billing for me. Uh, so mm. a big yes to contracts. I need to look more into HoneyBook. Do you itemize your invoices? To the extent that here's the core project. And as we mentioned earlier, it's like, these are the things that aren't included. So if you want to add them on, they cost more. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's smart. All right. So are you still charging $700 or <laughs> have you raised your rates? And if so, when did you do it? Yeah. So I raise my rates at least once a year because... I feel like I'm learning more. I'm better mm -hmm. at my job. Um, it reflects my level of competency. But also, I got a great piece of wisdom from a, a coworker years ago. And he was like, if at least 20% of people aren't telling you you're too expensive, you should raise your rates, which I loved. I'm like, you're right. If everybody's like, yes, I'll sign today. Raise your rates. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> you're probably you're probably a little low. You probably need to bump it up then. Yeah. All right. So, how did you decide on pricing for templates for your digital products and courses? Ooh, that's a really good question. I think I may charge a little less than some other people, and I think it's because I want to make courses and templates accessible for 
a lot of people. Mm. So I don't want them yeah. to be super expensive. I want people to be able to choose that option if it's something that would be helpful to them. But also, you know, have you seen the price of eggs? They may go up. (laughs) (laughs) Smart, smart. All right, Will, I'm going to turn the tables and ask you these same lightning round questions. Let's do it. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. How did you charge for your first website? I do know what the questions are. Uh, <laughs> we we were a little higher. We started at 3500 actually was the first one we charged for. But it's a bit of a not fair comparison because we had built websites for the company we were working with at the time. So we built up our experience there. And then when we charged for our first website, we were partnering with a business consultant who was kind of bringing us the work. And so he was kind of setting our prices a bit. Mm -hmm. So we charged a good bit for our first one. But when we were doing our own and getting our own clients and doing Mm -hmm. all that, we went down as low as 500 for some of the first beginner ones. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Do you make your clients sign contracts? Honestly, this is where we differ. I we don't. We have so so the <laughs> a lot of the big ones we do today mm-hmm. will will send a contract. Mm-hmm. Definitely at the beginning and if it is kind of a mid-tier website, we don't sign contracts cuz it is much more of we're not going to engage with someone unless we've had a number of conversations already and there's some base level of trust there. Mm-hmm. So and it's we get some type of verbal agreement or written agreement over over an email is like, okay, let's start. But we don't necessarily send over a contract and make them docu-sign it and send it back because that has just delayed the process and hasn't really produced good results because sometimes clients come back and things change. Interesting. Yeah. So we, we've taken a bit of a different approach. Big difference there. Yeah. Might not scale, but that's just how we've done <laughs> Yeah. Do you itemize your invoices? No, we just put yeah. the, we just usually break up our scope over two to four payments, depending on mm-hmm. what the client wants. And we just, and that's the only item on the invoices. Here's payment one, payment two, payment three, payment four. Yeah. I do three. Yeah. Three's good. And how did you decide on pricing for your plugins? Because they're crazy low. They're very cheap. <laughs> I started all of my plugins were $10 for at least the first year, maybe year and a half. I wanted to build plugins that were accessible. Like when we were getting started, there were plugins for a lot more. And it just prevented me from buying and even testing them out. I wanted people to spend some money just to try and test it out and see if they liked it. And then I had business licenses that were $50 if you wanted to use it on multiple websites. Right. And... Honestly, it was the accessibility of it. I just wanted this mm-hmm. this code in more people's hands. So I just went super low. And I've since bumped them up. And of course, like like the price of eggs, they might go up again. But that's where I am. That's really cool. If you are listening to this episode, reach out to Will or me, Please. Instagram, um, somewhatusefulpodcast.com. And let us know how much did you charge for your first website? Do you make your clients sign contracts? <laughs> and uh when have you raised your rates? We'd love to hear from you. Please do. We would love to hear from you. And that is it for today's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you found this at least somewhat useful. Somewhat useful. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. And if you really like us, leave us a little five-star review as this really helps us grow the pod. Thanks again to our sponsor, SEO Space. And thanks to our audio engineer, Ricky Gunton. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.
Want your Squarespace website to rank higher on Google? Try out SEO Space, the SEO plugin for Squarespace, a jargon-free extension that tells you step-by-step -step how to rank higher on Google. You can get a site-wide SEO score and guidance in minutes with automatic monitoring that saves you time and money so that you can focus on your core business. Try out SEO Space for a seven-day free trial at seospace.co.uk and make ranking higher on Google easier than ever before.